The first reading is from the book of Revelation. Uh, It's chapter 9, verses 9 to 12, and you can find it on page 247 of the Bibles in in um, in the seats. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel. And the Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Spirit. Amen. Do you like travel books and travel TV series? Whether it's Julia Bradbury walking around the Peak District or down disused railway lines with a bag on her back, or whether it's Michael Portillo riding the world on trains and never appearing to carry any luggage. (laughs) There's something about sharing a journey, whether you watch or read as someone's going along. I've just read uh, a new book, Landlines, by Raina Wynne, who is no relation. Uh, It's a remarkable book. It was about a journey made two years ago by quite a remarkable couple in their 60s who, despite the man's very severe health problems, decide to walk from the north coast of Scotland to Fort William. And then when they get to Fort William, they decide to do another trail that goes on from there. And they just keep on walking until eventually they get to Cornwall. And like all the best travel books, or the best road movies, or the best travel programs, It's not just about the miles covered. It's about the progress that people make in themselves and what they discover about themselves. And reading this passage that we were set this morning, this very short passage, it reminded me of one of the most influential books in the Christian language. And it's a kind of travel book. And like me... The book's author, 
was a Baptist minister. But unlike me, he wasn't allowed to preach in his local parish church. In fact, he was put in prison for daring to preach somewhere else. I'm talking, of course, about John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress over 300 years ago. A story which is an allegory of a journey describing the Christian life. We used to live not too far from where uh, Bunyan operated and have been to see the blue plaque on the riverbank, the spot where he was baptised by immersion. And you can still go and see his pulpit in the church there. Because John Bunyan didn't come up with the idea of a journey being like the Christian life, because Jesus talked about discipleship in that way. He talked about discipleship as taking up a cross and following him, going on a journey. In the book of Acts, we read that Saul, when he was out persecuting Christians, he was looking for followers of the way. And the word word that's used in the Greek there just means the road. It's just the same as the word Jesus uses here. In today's passage, Jesus talks about going through a gate and down a narrow way. It's about beginning and continuing with the Christian life. It's a theme that appears in the Old Testament. Moses and Joshua and the prophets asked people to choose which way they were going to go. There's a decision of, will we go down that way? And we're all familiar with the experience of going on a walk or going for a drive and coming to a junction. And you have to decide, will I take that road or will I take that road? So Sunday mornings here have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus describes what it's like to be one of his disciples, one of his followers. And in this, these verses we read today and the following verses, Jesus issues a challenge to discipleship. I used to be a hospital chaplain, and lots of people would say they like the Sermon on the Mount. They like the ideas and what Jesus says but it's not just about listening to them. It's about the challenge that Jesus made. Will you follow him? Will you live those values? Will you join Jesus on the journey? In the Pilgrim's Progress, his family don't want to leave their comfortable lives in the city of destruction to accompany him on his journey to the heavenly city. Jesus warned his disciples that they might have find that they've got to follow him alone to turn their back on others compared to the single-minded love that he requires even families take second place and a spoiler alert now if you read volume 2 of the pilgrim's progress his family do go with him One of 
Christian's neighbours in the Pilgrim's Progress does go with him a little way. He begins the journey, but pliable turns round at the first problem. He's like the people who show some interest in Christian discipleship, maybe go to church the odd time, but then they don't follow on. They're easily distracted. But the Christian life is Jesus in the passage you read today. It's like going through a narrow gate. There are choices to be made and it's not the obvious one. Many people miss the narrow gate because they walk along a broad path. One day last week, Pauline and I decided to go for a walk. We parked at Longshore. We walked down the Padley Gorge, which opens up into quite a broad path going downhill. What we wanted was the path that went back up through the woods, and we almost missed it, but there it was, a very narrow opening with a little signpost. If we'd not been paying attention, we could easily have walked past and gone with everyone else along the broad path, which in that case didn't lead to destruction, but to the railway station. But it's easy to miss the narrow gate. Jesus says, don't miss the narrow gate. You've listened to the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard what my values are about. Now, take the path that goes through and follows. It's easy to get so carried away with life that we miss the opportunity, that we'll say, well, one day I might do something about that. But Jesus wants us to find the narrow gate and take the journey with him now. That's the point he's making here. His hearers had listened to a lovely sermon on the mount. And now as they come towards the end, it's will they follow Jesus with what he's been talking about? Or will they just go back to life and remember it as a nice day out? Some people are put off because it seems Jesus sets impossible standards. If you listen to the Sermon on the Mount and take it with any seriousness, you realise they're almost impossible standards. Maybe people feel they've, they've failed so much in the past that they couldn't possibly come in now and go through that gate. But when you do enter the narrow gate... You find, as Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress does, that the burden of sin which we carry when I came this morning, Roland uh, had just nipped in for something. He's got his backpack with him and I said, I could just do with you to stay with your burden on your back like Pilgrim. Christian finds that that is removed when he comes to the cross that Jesus in his dying and rising again has made it possible for our sin, our guilt to be removed, that we have a fresh start with him and we go through that narrow gate to follow him afresh, renewed. We're welcomed into the narrow way not because we're good, 
but because he is. So don't be uh, too busy that you miss it. I'll read a little bit from the Pilgrim's Progress. This is when Christian gets to the narrow gate. A serious man named Goodwill came to the gate. Who is there, he asked, and what do you want? Christian hung his head. It's me, a poor burdened sinner. I came from the city of destruction, but I'm going to Mount Zion, so I may be delivered from the wrath to come. I've been told, sir, that this gate leads to my destination. Are you willing to let me enter? I am willing with all my heart, said he, and with that he opened the gate. Christian moved to step through the gate, and to his surprise, goodwill took him forward and hurried him inside. What's the meaning of this? Goodwill says, a little distance from the gate, there's a strong castle of which Beelzebub is captain. From that castle, both he and those with him shoot arrows at those who come to this gate. It's their hope that those who arrive at this gate may die before they've had the chance to enter it. Don't miss your opportunity to go in. And once you get in that narrow gate, you discover, says Jesus, there's a narrow path, a narrow way. The Christian life is not just a simple stroll. I'm sure that you've been to meetings like I've been to, where someone gives their testimony about how Christ has, uh, has helped them. And they speak about what their life was like before they met Jesus, the background to the conversion, in which, the way in which they were introduced, how they became a Christian, and then it stops. But our testimony doesn't just begin there. We continue, and he leads us on. And if somebody asks you, what's your testimony about Jesus? Tell them about what's been going on since you first made that decision, since you stepped through the narrow gates as you followed him along the way. Coming to Christ is just the beginning of the adventure. That seems to be the point that Jesus is saying, making when he says, the gate's narrow, the way's narrow. Christian is told in the book, the way is straight, follow it. This is the way you must go. You mean there are no turns or bends or detours on the way? And and along which a stranger may lose his way? Oh yes, says Goodwill. There are many side paths that connect to this narrow way, but they're crooked and wide. You must must distinguish the right way from the wrong by paying attention to which is straight and narrow. We use that expression about keeping to the straight and narrow as being boringly goody-goody. But it's just a reminder that Christian commitment is not about just making that initial commitment, but sticking to it. We might be tempted to make other things like possessions or careers or even families more important than Jesus. We may hear the world around us offering other pursuits which take us away from the narrow path and down a blind alley. 
We may even find other spiritual and religious paths which look very similar to the real thing. But before we know it, we're a long way from the narrow path. And we've abandoned that simple trust in Jesus. In the book Pilgrim's Progress, Christian meets many persuasive people who lead him from the narrow way. He faces difficulties in life. He's even put on trial. John Bunyan knew all about that. He wrote the first part of the book when he was in Bedford Jail. And in many parts of the world today, our Christian brothers and sisters face persecution. In North Korea, whole families have been imprisoned just for owning a Bible. Remaining on the narrow way is a real challenge with that kind of opposition. Do we stay on the narrow way? Or do we sometimes envy the people who are just wandering aimlessly along the broad path? The clue might be to remember where it leads. In Pilgrim's Progress, Christian keeps remembering the eternal city to which he's going. And we have that wonderful revelation that wonderful reading from Revelation this morning with that picture in in the book of Revelation the curtain is pulled aside and we see something of God's throne and what's happening and when you see that that vision and where we're going it helps you to stay on the narrow way but finally what happens if we wander off the way What if by not following Jesus quite as closely as you should, you wander down one of the side roads and you find yourself far from the Lord? What if you listen to the advice of some who have wrong ideas? What if one of life's problems begin to put you off following? As when in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian does in the valley. Well, there's always a guide or a path back to the narrow way when you read Pilgrim's Progress. There's always someone pointing him back or a path that he'd not noticed. Most of us use something that John Bunyan could never have dreamed of when we go out in the car. We use satellite navigation. And isn't it great? When you miss a turning and you go down the wrong road, a little voice soon finds a way back. If you found in recent days that you've wandered off the narrow way, listen out for the voice of the Spirit leading you gently back along a path that takes you back to the Lord. Or maybe even saying, now make a U-turn. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for that invitation to follow. Forgive us if we're hanging about the door and have never actually gone through, or if we've wandered from the pathway. Gently bring us back that we might follow Jesus to that glorious destination.